Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Some time working on 
New Humanist Magazine in Washington, D.C. We spent time in India. And uh, one of my oldest and dearest friends. And uh, it's a great to have you on the show tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Isn't it amazing? We know each other for 32 plus years. Yeah, it's Isn't incredible. Crazy, yeah. Yeah, it's really crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, but it's great. It's a great treasure to have dear, dear old friend like you. And yeah, I was um, we've been talking. And uh, uh, by the way, you know, Anatol has created uh, an organization called the uh, Modern Seers, and you can check out modernseers.org. I really Cool information. He's the author of Modern Seers, um, uh, the Spiritual Vortexes. What's the name of the book? It's Modern Seers Vortices. Yeah. Vortices. Yeah. And there is a, uh, there is, there is a link to the book on uh, on um, on the website. Website uh, Modern Seers Vortices. You can get it on Amazon and. Uh, on the website, and there's, there's all kinds of great info there. So, um, yeah, um, do you uh, want to introduce yourself? Or have anything you want to jump in with? Well, um, we were actually talking about how to introduce myself. Um, recently, the way I feel is that I came to a point where I know that my mind doesn't really know anything. It imagines knowledge, and uh, really, whatever I know comes from uh, beyond the mind, and I cannot really claim ownership to that knowledge. But to to make life easy uh, for people, I call myself a spiritual teacher and mentor. Um, okay. And the difference between teaching and mentoring is that Teaching is just basically conveying information. Mentoring means the relationship gets deeper. Um, you can also call it coaching. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we that all would need be and all the different aspects in our life where we're hoping to grow and need to direction and um, you know, there's a saying uh, you know, if you're lost in the light, uh, in the dark, and there's somebody who can see the path out of that uh, dark place, and following their guidance is a good thing, and uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, and I always like the perspective that the, the questions are more important than the answers, and it's one of the beauties of, of Indian culture, how they they love philosophizing because this is an activity that elevates the mind when you think about the deeper things when you question and um, and this you know everything is always changing in life and so uh, one doesn't want to live in a box and what was true for one yesterday won't necessarily be true today and to adapt and evolve and uh, well, grow well, on, on this particular subject, um, we can throw in uh, the law of attraction. Um, when uh, we meet and we discuss 
uh, higher subjects, um, we, you know, to put it in a hokey-pokey way, we raise our vibration. So say uh, when, a, when a person visits a discussion that at, a, at a more sophisticated level than he or she is used to, um, that is helpful in that way as well. You know, the mind uh, learns uh, better ways of functioning in that process. That's why um, satsang or company of uh, seekers of truth is considered to be one of the best ways how to elevate uh, uh, oneself spiritually. Yeah, and you know, we both have gotten chance to spend time in the East and there's particularly um, in in West Bengal there's certain Tantrapeet areas, there's some areas and uh, you you got a chance to spend time in Bhutan, we're a professor at the college there and um, there's certain areas where uh, it's hard for people in the West to understand that, that just the vibration being in those sitting, I remember on this hillside in uh, uh district. Um, it's close to Bihar. It was a place called Nandanagar. Um, sitting to meditate felt like sitting on top of a chainsaw. I mean, I was literally like bouncing on the ground. The the shaking, the vibration was, you know, and your mind would immediately get centered, sharp, and dive deep into your being. There are places that um, can really assist, you know, where they've done spiritual practices, spiritual vibration has been created in that place for so long. Well, let me talk a little bit about that, and then then I would like to uh, (laughs) define for our listeners what is spiritual path, what's the point of it, Um, Uh you know, and, and because, you know, I have a little bit of a scientific background, so I like to and keep things uh, well understood. Um, uh-huh. in, in my experience, uh, you know, I traveled uh, quite a bit in Europe. I was born there. Um, and in the United States, quite a bit more. And uh, um, unfortunately, uh, it's difficult to compare the, you know, Vibration of places like Himalayas and India, around India, and uh, anything we have here is just uh, almost no comparison. Um, it's difficult to find a place with um, uh, where people do serious prayer or serious meditation in the West. Uh, they do exist, but they are very, very rare. Usually. Uh, you know, our place has a nice vibe to it, a uh, you know, cool feeling, but the depth that some places in India uh, have are, are amazing. Uh, you know, you were mentioning about Bhutan. Um, you know, the, their main uh, tourist attraction, the Tiger's Nest Mo- Monastery, which unfortunately has burned down and been rebuilt and does not have the same vibe as they say as it used to, but um, the main the, the main guilty party of that monastery, the great guru, Guru Rinpoche, the precious guru, the founder of Tibetan Buddhism, Padmasambhava, um, he um, meditated there for just three months, and I visited 
uh, just out, outside of the cave where he, where he meditated. And, uh, oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> the vibration there, the feeling there is amazing. And there is, you know, there's some priest sitting there distributing trinkets. Um, but uh, it's unmistakable. Uh, it's very strong. And another experience I've had in Bhutan, uh, there is a, a temple uh, on top of the mountain, not too far from the, the antennas of their broadcasting corporation. I've forgotten exactly. I can, you know, if anybody ever takes me to Bhutan, I can lead up the path. Uh, so there's this temple, very dark temple, and um, nothing particularly special there. Uh, so I thought, and I went there alone to meditate, and um, I felt really strong vibration. There's a point to the story. And um, so later on, I brought one of my friends who spoke the, lo you know, the local language, and he asked, you know, why there is such a feeling in the temple, and it turns out that the guardian deities of the whole country of Bhutan were stored upstairs in the temple. So there is a lot to, to this. And also, the last thing I'm going to say on the subject, I got several uh, tantric um, items um, shipped to me out of China. Completely just, uh, you know, I wasn't thinking about, I just wanted to have some interesting items. And a couple of these uh, ritual daggers um, had an amazing vibration. Amazing means they didn't want to be in my house. It's like the, this metal thing was asking me, what are you doing? Why did you bring me here? Uh, and, uh, you know, and that surprised me a lot. So I had to do a little ritual around it, uh, basically explaining to the item that everything is okay. I'm not trying to use you for any kind of weird purpose. I just want you to be here in sanctified environment to the best of my ability. And eventually this thing can, you know, uh, you know come down. There's, there's no feeling from it anymore. It might have just been exhausted from. Probably yeah. it has been stolen from some temple somewhere in Tibet. Um, so, spiritual part. Yeah, all, all that uh, also reminds me of uh, uh, visited the Mayan ruins. I meditated on top of a Mayan pyramid. That was amazing vibration there. And also uh, the ruins in, in the south of France, there was a Qatar, um, these mystics who were wiped out by the uh, Catholic Church. And there was a pretty interesting vibration there. So that's... Uh, well, that, that, you're bringing an interesting uh, subject. Um, in Mexico, most Catholic churches were built on... Uh, ruins of um, Mayan um, or other Indian temples and mm -hmm. um, and those people knew where to build these temples so yeah. just about in every every ancient church in Mexico I've been to uh, it was very interesting it made me feel like I am reading a book from Castaneda yeah. um, very very interesting different different kind of feel. Sometimes you feel like there is some kind of really strong occult presence, not at all uh, positive. Uh, and sometimes it's very nice. But mm -hmm. before, we stray to, before we stray too far, um, I just yeah. want to lay out what spiritual path for me is. 
I think that I think that most listeners will not um, disagree when I say that there's a universe out there, and that universe is full of energies, um, and there is some kind of cosmic entity, call it God, uh, call it the source, call it the mind, that is um, essentially dreaming up this whole universe. Um, and uh, in deep meditation, uh, and not only in deep meditation, but just walking in the forest, sometimes we feel, oh my God, this whole thing has this oneness. This whole thing, uh, this whole universe is one and indivisible as part of this great cosmic consciousness, and I am, the human, is am in it. Uh, I'm part of it. Now, one metaphor I would say that spiritual path is not only just understanding, feeling that feeling once in a while, but completely converting your life, whereas you are so connected to this great entity, to God, that you cannot really distinguish yourself from that entity. So that's one metaphor. But that is a very far-fetched metaphor for most people. Another way uh, to look at spiritual path is imagine that there is the sun in the sky which shines on us. And sometimes there are clouds in the sky, and um, sometimes there are no clouds in the sky. Sometimes clouds are so thick that you don't know that there is sun. So, for example, the area where I live in, uh, near Buffalo, New York, uh, because of Lake Erie, we get uh, sometimes five, six, seven months of no sunlight. Uh, it's just there's so much cloud cover, and if you drive a little bit out, you will have the sun. So, to me, spiritual path is learning how to deal with the clouds, how to let sun in, how to um, enjoy when there is no sun, and how to enjoy when there is sun. Um, and, you know, in this metaphor, the sun is our soul, is, uh, is God, is the universe, and the clouds, unfortunately, happen to be our very disturbed minds. And uh, that's why, uh, you know, they, they say that um, life is easy. The trick is how to keep your mind quiet. So you can have whatever you want. It's your crazy mind which prevents you from having what you want. It's that mind which introduces doubt and negative emotions, etc., in our lives. And um, you know, so, so, so spiritual path is about uh, learning about the workings of the mind and learning how to sidestep the mind, which is not that easy to do. Um, yeah. 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 There's so, the old uh, metaphor of. You're trying to cut the ego down with the ego. So you're strengthening the ego so it can get strong enough to chop itself down, which is a bit of a paradox. Yeah, and, and also um, this is where I think the West and the East meet. Um, what happens in the East, I, I, I see many times, is that it's not clear in the East what are you transcending, uh, what are you going beyond. And in the West, uh, particularly in the last hundred years, it became very clear that you cannot transcend an ego that is not developed. So that's why this concept of individuation happened. Um, you know, so, so 
uh, I think it was Ken Wilber who introduced uh, this uh, concept about pre-egoic, egoic, and trans-egoic stages in life. So pre-egoic is like a child whose uh, ego hasn't been yet formed properly. And then egoic is uh, a stage where, you know, that's basically where American society is, and everybody's trying to assert themselves, you know, you know, there's ego and ego friction and all that. This is this is uh, people in the egoic stage. That's where they play. They have this kind of play. Trans-egoic is that you can transcend well-developed ego because it has expanded its usefulness. Um, and uh, so, so, so I think that many times in the East, when Eastern gurus come to the West, they don't understand that in the West we have strong need to understand our ego, understand it, and then individuate it, and then after that we can transcend that. And these stages cannot be uh, bypassed. Now, why I'm saying that is that I've seen that great yogis in India have very strong egos, means they have individuated themselves, but they never ever talk about spiritual path in that language. I've never seen it. The only, uh-huh. the only people who talk about this are spiritual teachers in the West uh, uh-huh. or, or, great, or great psychologists like Jung, you know, who in many ways I would call, um, I would say that he is a spiritual teacher, was a spiritual teacher. So is James yeah. Tillman. Yeah, yeah, James or, or, and, 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 and what's his name? Joseph, Joseph Campbell. He also knew about this. I mean, so... so uh, many times, at least in my life, many times you look at these Eastern teachers and they have such a, such gravity, such a seriousness of expression, and uh, we think that because they're so serious, their knowledge is also so deep. And it may be. But uh, when you watch videos of Joseph Campbell or James Hillman, his books, uh, don't know much about Jung, um, they feel so humble, so simple, so easygoing, but we should not assume behind their humility that they don't know what they're talking about. Well, I mean, in the East, they they value that. Maybe that's something in the West. Are you saying like in the West, people value that as uh, simplicity or guile or... Certainly in the east they well, I, I'm 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 not trying to knock to knock east or west. It's just uh it's a different expression and I think that since we are talking primarily to the Western audience, uh, you know they 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 need to be aware that there are different cultures and each culture has different expression of spirituality. It's all the same in the end, but not uh-huh. at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. The um uh, you covered a lot there, and, and it's going to be complicated. Um, one thing to talk about those three states. Um, in the, so the first state, um, the pre-egoic, is a state where there's uh, can be a lot of romanticization. So this is the whole period um, called the Romantic period in in history, where uh, people talked about the philosophy of the noble savage and they thought that primitive cultures were sort of enlightened and had people had this oneness with nature and the universe 
and um, and so there was an idealization because you know in fact that we can't go back to those primitive things. There's so many harsh and um, in fact you know inhumane and you know all kinds of different aspects that just um, if when you, one has rose-colored glasses about those things, um, well, that's a free, free or um, egoic state. Take a hypothetical example. I mean, uh, something I'm fairly familiar with. You know, as a college professor, I would uh, routinely deal with 18, 19 year olds and and beyond. And uh, so they come to me, and uh, and you surely see young people as well. And um, they have this urge, uh, let's call it a spiritual urge. What's that? Um, well, in, in, in my view, and I'll let you speak in just a second, uh, it's just uh, they feel the call of their soul to connect. But that call is filtered through their mind. And their mind has a lot of clouds, clouds from the society they have dealt with clouds from their family. They haven't dealt with their own personal clouds. You know, I am fat, I am too thin. You know, my breasts are too big or too small or my whatever is too short or too big. You know, these are the issues which are not really spiritual, they're psychological, but for a spiritually oriented person, they will appear like um, spiritual questions. But these are questions of undeveloped ego. So this is a pre-goic stage. And, uh, you know, in the goic stage, a spiritual person will try to assert himself or herself, join a group, try to preach that he has the best ideology on the planet or my guru is the greatest guru on, on, you know, in the world and my guru is going to form world government and my meditation technique is the most meditation technique in the world. And if you sit in lotus for 35 hours straight, you know, great light will encompass you and you will fly away to another planet. Or, uh, you know, or a very famous meditation group says that if 2%, 5% or 10% of the member people in the, on the planet meditate, then wow, 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 there will be no violence and the world will become transformed and everything is going to be just wonderful hunky-dory. Uh, <clears throat> And you know, and then and then when ego actually matures and the person had enough of playing around with his or her ego, then a well developed person will just say, Okay, enough of this. Let's just let that go. You know, and I, I don't know at what age a person would be able to do that. I doubt they will be able to do it in their youth. Yeah, well, that's, uh, uh, you know, it definitely is individual and uh, everybody has their individual level of development and karma and whatever, but uh, the um, in uh, one of the categories you can talk about is um, at that, I guess you're calling it the um, trans-egoic state, um, one can embrace a rationality. So rationality is a tool, but it's limited and it can help you sort things that are limited things into other limited categories. 
but there comes a stage of reality that is irrational, which is different than irrational. And um, so it's a kind of transcending of duality and um, shifting to a different level and a different dimension. Well, um, this just actually ties up with the law of attraction. Um, you know, you see out there not what is out there, but how you are. So, you know, if you're an angry person, you will see a lot of anger out there. Uh, if you're a fearful person, you will see a lot of things which will cause fear in you. If you're a cheerful and easygoing person, uh, you will go around the world, uh, you know, in a cheerful, easygoing manner. Um, and uh, this, is, this goes to, you know, making money. It's like people say, well, you have to work so many hours to make so much money. But if you look at the world and see at exceptional people, not, not the crowd, but exceptional people, you will see that uh, money comes to them from all kind of interesting directions. Um, and uh, there is no relationship between work and how much they earn. And to give a very flat, annoying example, is, you know, look at people who are, uh, you know, who have a lot of means jobs with a lot of money. It's, uh, you know, somehow they attracted a situation to themselves where, you know, they make 300, 400, you know, a million dollars an hour, uh, which is kind of interesting that is, uh, that is possible. So going back to, um, remind me what we were talking about, it's too late for me. Well, you know, when you get into the law of attraction, we need to talk about the listening you know, because the law of attraction, as, as people are talking about this stuff, can also serve the ego and be a fantasy of, you know, oh, I yeah, want to be an all-star. Yeah. No, no, but how did I get into this? The, the, you, you were talking about something, uh, and my mind just slipped. I'm sorry. Um, right, right. Well, okay, so uh, you were relating um, to, I was talking about the A-rationality. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, 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 okay, I, thank you for reminding me. So here's, 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 here's the story. Um, whatever you look at, it will manifest. So mm-hmm. if, you have a war on, if you have a war on drugs, you will have more drugs. Now, I'm not telling some kind of crazy stuff here. You can just look at statistics. The more they war on drugs, the more these things proliferate. Same thing war on cancer, same thing on, on a war on terrorism. Because whatever you think about will manifest, will become bigger. So same thing with rationality. Ego wants to control everything. It's like we want to make sure that we know what we should do, how we should think. Uh, ego wants certainty. So that's where religion comes in. Certain doctrines, certain ideologies, certain beliefs are very important to the ego. You know, the problem with that is that uh, the world outside of you will manifest these beliefs to you. They'll, it will assert them to you. So if you're a scientist, and I know I'm a scientist, that's my training is in that, uh, you know, the more you look for rational explanation for things, the more you will emphasize rationality. The universe doesn't function that way. Ego does. Human society wants to pretend that it does rational things. Uh, but it isn't rational. You know, so trans-rationality means going beyond rational. 
means that you connect to something which is actually another kind of truth, overarching truth. And uh, that is what really spiritual path is about. You know, it's going back to our connection with the divine, quote-unquote, our connection with the universe. And there, you know, amazing things can happen, you know. Um, you know, diseases get cured. Um, people who who die don't decompose. I mean, this is uh, like anytime someone comes to me with some kind of rational bullshit, I tell them that, fine, can you explain why in the Russian Orthodox Church there are so many uh, dead saints who have been dead for hundreds of years and their bodies are still intact without embalmation, without any kind of assistance, they just don't decompose. You know, and, uh, you know, to me, it's a non-issue. I mean, I understand that something beyond what we know right now is happening, and that's fine with me. Um, but to, to a person who wants to have everything as rational, that will be disconcerting. They will try to find something else. You know, like I, I read these scientific, I read these scientific websites all the time, and they always uh, rail against homeopathy and astrology, and oh. uh, and these people and these people don't understand that these are transrational sciences. No one knows why homeopathy works, and if you try to test it, it doesn't work. But oh. there are thousands of people who who certainly uh, get benefit from it, and uh, Calling it a placebo effect does not explain, uh, at least in my mind, why specific remedies, uh, homeopathic remedies, they, they function in a certain way. It doesn't, you say when you test it, it doesn't work because they say you have to test it in a uniform way and it's an individualized remedy, so different people according to a very long, detailed interview process, get a different remedy. And so it doesn't fit the regular uh, design model of a scientific experiment that would normally, they're used to one medicine will have one effect. Yeah, well, that's that's only one reason. Another reason is that it's, it's, it belongs to a different paradigm of knowledge altogether. Uh, and mm-hmm. that paradigm is... The it's just not scientific paradigm. It's the same thing with right. with astrology. Right. You know, if if you yeah, want yeah. to astrology. You know. So, but um, yeah. you should address because you've been talking about this, and um, there's especially since the topic uh, I wrote is the description of serious spirituality, and we see so much uh, infantilized narcissistic spirituality that that gloms on to this. You've been talking a lot about the law of attraction. And it will exactly use that and um have that be the 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 basis i just there's some other teacher I just saw that died of cancer, so many of these unity people and these people who try to be only positive and only um you know there's only love and fear, and so don't let anything negative in your life and they're all about you know the law of attraction well that, that, of the ego. The bottom line of it is that um, motivation, uh, that the reasons why people think in a certain way, um, 
needs to be examined, and it takes a lot of time to examine them. And one of the horrible things about spiritual path is that spiritual path is fundamentally a path of destruction. Uh, you know, in the process of spiritual path, you transcend your individuality, and that is a very painful process. And ego, by definition, seeks pleasure and avoids pain. So there has to be some really serious desire to go beyond uh, the ego. And I'm not talking about getting rid of the ego, that's impossible, but going beyond it is, is possible. And that, that drive has to come from somewhere, and it usually comes from a lot of pain, and mm -hmm. which, of course, ego does not like. And by extension, our ego-based society, particularly in all the Western societies, are so much into avoiding pain and avoiding growth. So there's lots of people who do not see their motivations. They do not allow themselves to, to grow beyond their infantile thinking. And, uh, you know, so, so they don't reach far enough. Another way of saying is, is this. If you have a 30-year-old um, uh, person whose uh, mind is still functioning at the level of a 13-year-old, they will never be satisfied because there is a mismatch between their, you know, between their physical age and their emotional age. And uh, no spiritual path will be able to solve that. But in our society here, um, you know, there is a great emphasis on being 13. I mean, that's not my idea, James Hillman's idea, um, you know, that we basically live in an adolescent society. So if you have been all your life inundated with messages that being 13 is good beyond being 13, uh, it will require enormous energy to, to snap out from that thinking because you will have to go against the whole society. The society will not like you uh, going beyond being 13. They will, you know, they will try to put you down. They'll try to medicate you. Uh, you know, if, even if you go to a psychotherapist, they'll try to put you back in uh, to be a well-functioning adult. And in my opinion, a well-functioning adult in a crazy society is nuts. It's crazy. Uh -huh. You know, so, so then, then you get, uh, you know, so, I mean, uh, as you know, Randy, I love uh, Abraham Hicks, and I listen to Abraham Hicks, you know, Esther Hicks, all the time, pretty much every day, uh, you know, and... Uh, I find her helpful, and I don't mind endorsing her, you know, her here. Um, but what's interesting is the kind of people who come to her workshops and the kind of mm. questions they ask. And uh, most of the most of these questions are, um, in many ways, I mean, they're totally understandable from this society. They're they're about I want to meet a nice boyfriend. Okay, I want to have make a lot of money. Fine. I want to feel good. Fine. That's, these are fine questions. But these are all questions which people should ask when they are very young. Like, what is the big deal about meeting, you know, uh, you know, uh, love of your life? It's obvious. You just need to find a person who, with whom you fit and with whom you feel good. Seventy eh, percent of the time. Hundred percent of the time is not going to happen. But if you want to have 100% of the time good feeling, you lack of wisdom. And uh, uh, that means there's a call for experience, painful experience, i.e., 
you're going to have one boyfriend after another until you experience enough boyfriends or girlfriends to realize what you want. You know, same thing with the spiritual path. You know, you think that you want to have an airy-fairy guru who's going to teach you how to fly. And then you go to that airy-fairy guru and that person teaches you how to hop around the room. And uh, if you have enough brain and with them you realize that, wait a minute, I'm being duped. Then, um, you know, you move on. And uh, the biggest dupe agent, <laughs> the b- biggest deceiver is the ego itself. Uh, it's that river in Egypt, denial. You know, and yeah, uh, that's, that's the uh, beauty. I love uh, Jung's uh, quote of that as, as an adult, you know, and after midlife at, you know, whatever a certain age of 40 or whatever, it's uh, different for different people. But when you develop enough ego strength that the real spiritual spirituality um, for the latter half of your life is doing shadow work seeing where you're deceiving yourself, where you're in denial, where you've been lying to yourself and you're um, feeding your weaknesses and whatever. Um, so yeah. exactly like right. well, oh, uh, Absolutely. That's just, you know, I mean, I think that in a way uh, I'm using a certain language, uh, some of it is influenced by all our discussions we have pretty much on a daily basis. Um, the, the thing is... In my experience, I've seen 15-year-olds who are amazingly spiritual. And to me, spirituality of a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, is very simple. They're natural. They are acting in accordance to their, uh, well, emotional age. Now, by extension, you can say that even a very disturbed teenager is acting according to his or her nature. Uh, but there is a lot of built-in pain and uh, future learning. And, uh, and there are some people who are just calm and at peace with their undeveloped nature. And being around these people, we call them sattvic or sentient, uh, it's a different kind of pleasure than being around a person who is going to experience a lot of drama. And, um, and, I, I, and I think that... Uh, from this point of view, our former guru was talking about that spiritual path is a, from animality, from being an animal mentally to through human stage to uh, the divine stage. I don't like these metaphors because I don't think that a human being, you know, is an animal in any in any. But from another well, point of view, any time you see the Eastern metaphors are you know, so that, that they're uh, sort of making a, a simplistic grid. From crude to subtle, from imperfect to perfect. So a lot of these metaphors uh, end up, um, and that's again why I prefer the Jungian model of wholeness, of a circle, of ever expanding, a um, where we incorporate all of our uh, earlier stages, and we don't have to reject them as oh those were my bad stages, and now I'm in good stage but we're all part of an ever-increasing uh, awareness and development. Well, I, you know, you're, you're bringing an interesting point in my mind, and that is, you know, like every time I sit down to try to write my next book, uh, 
I, you know, I worry about if I write another book when everything I know has already been said a million times by different teachers. But the reason why it's being said so many times is because every generation needs new uh, needs a presentation of old ideas in a new language. Or to be really blunt, uh, every generation asks new questions and needs new answers, even though these questions and these answers will be in many ways similar uh, to older questions. That's why I don't recommend people to to read Bible, uh, the Bible wholesale, uh, because it's basically a collection of very, very great questions and spectacular answers, but 2,000 years ago. So then they don't really, uh, you know, apply uh, to um, you know, to our 21st century for the same reason why you, when you go to a doctor, you don't expect that doctor to give you remedies from 2,000 years ago uh, because medical science has evolved, you know, including homeopathy hasn't existed a couple hundred years ago, you know. Right. So, well, my, my objection, you know, I don't have, I mean, there's some people who have great um, affinity with ancient knowledge and uh, there's certain teachings of Shiva and different things that, that I love who are they're thousands and thousands of years old, but uh, my more objection with Bible and different things is people get sentimentalized in dogmas that this is the only book and this is the only truth and uh, everything else is bad and you shouldn't step outside of this circle of knowledge. Well, um, there, there is only one reason why people do this. You know, if they have such fragile ego that they need with um, outdated or twisted belief systems, well, you know, they need to realize through their wisdom and through a lot of meditation that they're deceiving themselves and uh, move on by becoming stronger. And, uh, you know, I mean, I certainly don't have any problem with people using Bible as one of the sources of knowledge, um, you know, but it's, uh, uh, it, it's probably contains no more than 10% of useful knowledge. For, for now, if not even less than that. You know, and there are much, much better uh, writings on the subject uh, than that particular scripture. But anyway, let's leave that because it's a, an explosive subject. Yeah, so for, uh, I want to, um, you know, you uh, talked some about spirituality as a relationship with some kind of cosmic or eternal or divine entity. Yeah, so that entity would be something that the Buddhists don't get into, and so they they get to sidestep a lot of things by not focusing on it as an entity. So, do you want to talk about that kind of issue? Well, Buddhists, Buddhists, uh, you know, in their ideology, and Buddhism is an ideology. Um, they, um, even though it's an ideology to go beyond all the ideologies. Uh, it's still an ideology. Uh, the, the thing is, um, um, they correctly point out to the fact that you cannot talk about things beyond the mind in the language of the mind. So, mm-hmm. so all these metaphors are useless um, when you get to a tail end of the spiritual path. I mean, talking about uh, subjects that are beyond language uh, is a fruitless, um, you know, endeavor. That's why only meditation um, and a lot of wisdom can deliver 
and love uh, can they give a person closer to God? Now the question is, what is wisdom? What is love? Who is loving who? Um, if we say there is a spiritual path, it implies movement. You know, so I have, I mean, I live on a on a road, and there are cars moving from one you know place to another. They're moving. It's a path. It's a road. So some people object to this and say that there's really no path because there's no destination which is not quite true, because we are constantly, as an ego, as an individual, to move. So, uh, you know, that's why they say that, you know, spiritual path is uh, learning about the relationship between individual self and cosmic self, my mm-hmm. paramatma, or, you know, microcosm and its position in the macrocosm. And... Uh, from this point of view, it's a, it's a very funny thing, going back to my metaphor about clouds and uh, the sun. It's kind of a relationship of the sun and the clouds, where the clouds say, hello, sun, I want to relate to you, and the result will be death. Because mm-hmm. sun will remain and clouds will be gone. And, uh, you know, a normal cloud, a normal ego, will not like that. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, so, so there has to be enough sun in the person to allow that sidestepping of the, um, of the ego. Uh, yeah. But that's basically what, you know, what, what that, uh, you know, like all this, you know, being not individuated means that the clouds have certain kind of formation, uh, having a, uh, you know, all these different pitfalls in the spiritual path being, uh, in a hopeless romantic is um, I, an idealist. It's all these, these all conditions of the cloud, uh, you know. And uh, there are two ways how to deal with the cloud. You know, you can uh, incessantly look at the cloud, or you can just say, okay, let's turn on the sun, uh, which can also be an incredible self-deception. You know. Deception. <laughs> you know, uh, usually if uh, an immature ego tries to do a lot of meditation, they become one, two, three, very spaced out. So we we know those people, right? And the spaced out meditators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Space cadets. We can be there on that. Um, particularly, uh, well, again, one of the beauties of Buddhism, um, there's uh, the great emphasis on balance because we have a physical life, we have a mental life, we have emotional life, and um, or you know another a, a nice model in Indian culture is you know there's karma, there's desire, there's uh, your livelihood and there's your married life, and there's your spiritual life, and they all have their place. If you just focus on your spiritual life, uh, usually you'll get spaced out, you'll get out of balance. Um, Again, from the Jungian model, there's ego and self, and uh, often the Eastern is always poo-pooing the ego, whereas in the Jungian model, they say strengthen the ego and strengthen the self and strengthen the connection between the two of them. And... um, to have that well, dialogue going on. Well, ego uh, in 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 Castaneda's um, 
terminology is called tonal. It's uh, basically the quality of prana, the quality of vital energy that you have. So mm -hmm. a weak ego is not really good for you at all. Uh, so, but you know, a, you know, a crazy ego will manifest pride and jealousy and things like that, which, by the way, most religions uh, try to knock on. But actually, these are natural expressions, you know, it's like of individuality. You know, an individual mm -hmm. will compare himself or herself to other people, uh, to himself in the earlier existence. So, like, I like to compare myself how I was in my 20s, what an idiot mm -hmm. I was. <laughs> well, not really. I have done a lot of work in my 20s. And um, so it's, um, yeah, absolutely, you know. Um, yeah. Well, that's another beauty of life and of nature. Every phase has its its reason and its uh, particular qualities, and there's no need for one phase to judge another phase. And um, you know, they're just different. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. That's yeah. the case. Yeah. You know, in you know, from not judging one-year-old child. Uh, because he is learning how to walk, one shouldn't walk, shouldn't judge a 20-year-old young person who is learning how to be an adult, and a 50-year-old shouldn't judge him or herself for being middle-aged and preparing for the descent of the other side of the mountain, uh, etc. Um, these are natural stages. Now. More complicated is when someone who is 50-year-old acting like a 20-year-old, we shouldn't judge that person because that person is where he or she is. Uh, you know, and uh, that's why they say that, you know, your path starts right now. And it doesn't matter what you have done in the past at all. You know, because, you know, yeah, so you have made some horrible mistake stolen a lot of money and uh, robbed the bank and uh, divorced your wife and stood on your left leg for five hours for five years. Okay, great. That gave you a lot of interesting experience and something to talk to your grandchildren about. But your life starts right now. You don't have to live that life anymore. You can live a new life. So that would be the coaching way of, look, of looking at this thing. Spiritually, you just accept where you are right now and... Uh, just become aware of where you are and ask uh -huh. yourself, what should I do to have better life tomorrow? And, uh, uh -huh. you know, and one needs to realize that, you know, if you believe in, uh, uh, you know, certain beliefs <laughs> that are preventing you from living, you know, a good life, well, uh, change these beliefs, you know. If you believe uh -huh. that, you know, if you believe that being poor will bless your life, don't get surprised if you have no money. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you, if you believe that um, you know you need to sit in meditation for ten hours for ten years every day to attain enlightenment, don't get surprised if it will take you ten years to attain enlightenment or more. You know, these are belief systems, and one needs to examine them and ask whether they're useful to you or not. And mm -hmm. And I think spiritual path ultimately is all about that. It's not that simple, just sitting and examining your mind. 
because many people don't know their beliefs until they experience something, you know. Mm-hmm. By meeting a certain kind of a woman, you might discover that you don't want to be around a woman like this. You want anything, uh, you know. You might, you know, go for, you know, study to become, uh, I don't know, uh, a psychologist, and you may discover that you don't want to be a psychologist anymore. You want to become, you know, you really, you know, want to become a historian. You know, right. uh, you might. You're talking about the and I think that's one of the important things about spirituality is, and and that's the beauty of meditation. It's not about, you know, even uh, reading or knowing your beliefs. It's uh, it's about having experience. And I know you love. Uh, the shamanic uh, orientations and, um, you know, Jung really liked the alchemical model because for him, in the same way that shamanism came about in a natural way and an organic way, it wasn't imposed by an ideology, it wasn't, uh, you know, and it's uh, something that's uh, close to nature and all those different qualities. Um, do you want to say anything about uh, your inspiration? You've mentioned... Uh, um, you know, and uh, the value of uh, studying, uh, uh, you mentioned uh, the Nagal uh, knowledge and different things. So that experiential orientation to spirituality. Well, um, well, just to be clear about this, um, I have never ever studied with a teacher um, who was a direct descendant of uh, the teachers as described in those books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had an American. I had an American teacher who had <laughs> a Russian teacher from Hawaii. Uh, that was a while ago, and um, um, I think that person studied with someone in Mexico, but I'm not sure. Um, so, but uh, the reason why I like Castaneda a lot is that, particularly in his book, the, the Power of Silence. I think he describes the nature of spiritual path in the best possible way because he very adroitly, very in a very nuanced way, he sidesteps all the problems uh, that happen, particularly the higher end of the spiritual path. Um, but uh, the books are basically about developing certain superhuman abilities in the belief that without those superhuman abilities you cannot really escape um, a particular reality that we have constructed on this planet through our thoughts and ideas. And, um, you know, so so, so for me, uh, whether it's a shamanic or alchemical um, or whatnot, um, they all really come down to the same thing. Whatever works for you, uh, that's what you should do. And uh, um, the biggest pitfalls right now, I think, in the United States, that's the only culture I know very well about these things, is that people are so independent that they don't seek out competent help. And because of that, they spend years and years um, of wasting time uh, trying to rediscover something which can be very easily conveyed in just a few uh, simple meetings uh, with a teacher. And I'm not trying to sell myself at all. I'm just 
saying that that's just what people need to do. That's why you exist and I exist and several other teachers exist. Um, you know, that that is one of the uh, biggest pitfalls. Otherwise, you know, um, you know, people just need to become more aware and they need to um, avail themselves to different modalities, uh, healing modalities and like spiritual modalities and uh, um, different traditions. And um, that's one, uh, I think, pitfall we need to worry about. Another one is that people tend to get very attached to their particular ideologies. So I know a lot of people who have done 30, 40, even 50 years of meditation, and they should really quit already and do something else and don't see that uh, basically whatever worked for them early in their life doesn't work anymore for whatever reason. It doesn't really matter why. Um, I mean, you need to find out why, but uh, once you realize that you're stuck, uh, an agile person will move on. Uh, a person who does not want to move on should ask why they're not moving on. Um, uh, and if they are not moving on and they don't ask themselves why they're not moving on, then they're stuck. And uh, then uh, the question of their spiritual development becomes very poignant. Yeah, well, um, and, that's, uh, and for me, Because you cannot 
talk about spirituality in direct language. So you need to use language of poetry, which is one step above regular language. And, uh, you know, that's why. That's why Jesus had to, you know, talk in parables. Um, you know, that's why. You have any, you know, what would you say? Yeah, well, see, one of the confusions happens also when people refuse to think metaphorically. And so, again, uh, when criticizing the Bible or people who are focused a bit too literally, um, you know, that's one of the definitions of insanity is um, taking metaphorical literally. So um, we're talking about something that's subtle, that is not concrete, and it, it, so it gets into the whole, and of course this is again something Jung, Joseph Campbell, all, all these uh, people um, have really explored the meaning of a symbol because we want to point to something that's beyond and we're talking about something that can't be grasped. So by its nature, we have to speak metaphorically to the symbol doesn't uh, and this this gets into the teachings of spiritual materialism. If if you uh, if a finger is pointing toward the moon and you start worshiping the, the finger, uh, you've lost the meaning of what the symbol is pointing towards. Well, yeah. Well, let's okay. Let's you know you're bringing up a spectacular point uh, and uh, very good explanation. Um, our language, English or Russian, so the two languages that I can manage in, um, are um, by their nature intellectual. You know, that's their their ego expression. You know, we we see with our eyes a book and we call it a book. Uh, we see many books and we say that there are many individual indi- you know individual books in a collection. Uh, so what happens when we start talking about not the intellectual layer of the mind, but rational layer or intuitive layer uh, or layers which have to do with uh, approaching uh, cosmic unity. And I'm using the, you know, the, the, the system which our you know, former guru has proposed um, as, a, you know, as a way of you know, focusing thought. So what happens when you start talking about inspiration? So Greeks talked about uh, the muses, the muse, and uh, I've forgotten what they use in India. Um, I think Gandharvas. Um, it's um, you can feel these things, but you can't talk about them because they're not in the language uh, of the intellect. Uh, so, so one way to uh, look at that is um, if any of you guys listening are mathematicians, um, if you uh, have a three-dimensional world and you want to describe it in two dimensions on paper, uh, you will have to use different kind of projections for artistic, for artistic uh, types same thing is there. One of the big inventions of uh, Renaissance was perspective. How do you uh, create an illusion of three-dimensional space on a two-dimensional canvas? So the same way metaphor uh, is a way to create an image 
of uh, different dimensions of minds beyond the intellect in the intellectual realm, you know. And like, for example, frankly, one of the biggest problems I have with writing is that writing is inspirational, but ultimately you have to write in words, and words are intellectual. So I have a conflict between inspiration and uh, uh, and writing them down, and any creative person knows that creative intellect tends to be faster than our ability to write down those thoughts. Uh, so this is just an example of a conflict between these two different levels of experience. And, you know, sometimes it's easier to express a thought in a short metaphorical poem than to write a long book explaining why something is so. You know, and uh, and uh, this is uh, uh, a very important distinction which you were making is that because spiritual path, by definition, is beyond ego, you have, and you have to use ego language, a human language, to help people along the path, by definition, it will be expressed in intellectual ways, metaphorically about non-intellectual spaces and movements. So, so for example, the biggest uh, difficulty, I don't know if anybody want to go into this, uh, like in Christianity, the moment someone starts talking about Jesus, uh, you know, 99.999% of Christians don't understand that Jesus is a word which points to an entity uh, certain not 2,000 years ago because that entity is gone, um, but something in, that they feel in the current presence. Uh, it's same thing about any kind of symbol, you know, any kind of deity in India, you know, Shiva, Krishna, uh, Vishnu, you know, Rama, these are all now, Ganesh, these are all, uh, you know, symbols that point to a certain expression, certain kind of archetypal godlike energy. And uh, they are, um, they cannot be taken literally, but they, but we can talk about their aspects, uh, you know, and, and that is, uh, you know, so, so Jesus was brotherly, calm, uh, tolerant, loving, uh, free-minded, uh, a very liberal, a radical, uh, certainly nothing to do with the conservatives um, right now. Um, and this is not some kind of great revelation. It's why they're in the Bible. It's not really difficult to see that. Um, you know, same thing, you know, Shiva was, a, you know, is a god of uh, transformation, of leaving the old and arriving to the new. Uh, who did not like being in the society, and that's why she liked being somewhere in a cave in the Himalayas meditating. Um, so is Shiva like this? Is Jesus like that? In some ways, yes. Mostly, we don't really know. But you can experience it to a point. And when you have an experience, you can come back and share it with other people. How do you share it? That's where the bummer comes in. If you start sharing it in a human language, you will write a new Bible, and there will be a whole bunch of disciples who will confuse their imagination uh, about what you write with your knowledge, which you cannot express in writing. 
you know, and that's why why a person needs to have a life spiritual teacher because the moment spiritual teacher, a spiritual teacher writes his or her experiences down and dies, that book loses its vitality because people need to be able to understand these ideas, sorry, these states of mind, states of realization directly, not through their imagination. Yeah, and again, so that gets into the experiential spirituality and uh, things that uh, there's a lot of interest in paganism and different, uh, all kinds of things where people want to just have more of an experiential spirituality than as uh, kind of the passive spirituality that people had in the past. Um, Well, you know, know, actually... Actually, I'm going to agree and disagree with this a little bit. I think that we see exactly the same thing right now as we have had in the past. In the past, you go to a church, and there you know, a preacher preaches to you in the language of the intellect, and some people, some people, not all people, get the metaphor and some people don't. Some people who get the metaphor and want to go deeper they go far and um, forms where they go even deeper. Uh, these communities are called ashrams or monasteries, and they have existed before and they exist now. The only difference now is that, you know, there are more churches and more communities uh, where there is easier entry point. For example, someone like me, if God forbid I was born in, uh, I don't know, 15th century, uh, with my kind of mind, uh, I don't know what I would do. Because for me, um, uh, Western religions are very strange. And, uh, you know, so, so I probably would have traveled to India or something, which would have been great fun in the 15th century. You know, um, so right now just there's a lot more variety and people can find uh, a religious entry of their choice easier. But the questions still remain. They still need to go deeper. They still need, need to go beyond their mind. They still need to understand the metaphors. They still need to become deeper. And uh, they still need to have more awareness and develop more wisdom. Um, and how they do it, the more variety, the better. That's, which is, by the way, with all my criticism of America, we have here anything you want is available. You just need to put a little bit of effort to find it. And even mm-hmm. that is not. Cool. So I want to wrap up. Do you want to um, do you have a, 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 a few sentences to say how modern seers would, uh, uh, what it has to give people and how they can interact with it and that kind of thing? Well, um that is a tricky question. What I found is that uh, there is an energy behind the flow that is called modern seers. I'm one representative of that energy. I'm not the only representative of that energy. So if you feel an affinity to the ideas that were, pre- were presented in this talk or on a website, or do you just feel in your gut that this is something 
that you want to explore further. Um, I don't really have a format. I never ever liked the format. So you can email me, phone me, contact me on Facebook, um, and uh, start the conversation. And um, that's it, you know. How much money is involved? Uh, nothing. Um, but but uh, when I say nothing, nothing is ever for free, which means that, you know, a person needs to realize that if they are spending time with me, they need to contribute something, um, or, you know, and, uh, and I'm not asking for anything at all. Uh, it's just... Uh, I know that for many people it's confusing. Um, you know, how do you contact a person who, you know, who I should give something to? I like to have a flexible situation. Yeah, yeah. That's, and you want to say and, anything? And, about... and, and... Yeah. Go ahead. Well, another yes, thing is that I, 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 me personally, I'm very, very negative about. Um, confusing uh, spiritual path with um, some kind of business, and uh, you know that 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 uh, in my life it's been always like any time I see someone charging money for spiritual uh, teachings, I just uh, have a natural revulsion towards that. That doesn't mean that my teachings are free. It just means that I, I this is a non-issue for me altogether, and. I know, as Randy can confirm, this is not a marketing call for me. This is just spontaneously we wanted to talk at the beginning of the year about these things, and that's it. So, in fact, I don't know. I don't even know if I should talk about modern series anymore at all. I mean, because that was not a point. Right, I was going to ask you thought. how you're. It seems like your thinking is going in a certain direction, where, um, like you were saying, um, talking. Um, to the mind, in terms of the mind, um, gets to a be. Person, yeah, a person who is interested in modern seers will have an interest in modern seers. A person who is interested in modern seers enough will figure out a way to contact me. If you don't know how to use email, phone, etc., if you're scared to contact a teacher, I'm sorry, this is not something which is in my competence. It's like. You know, I mean, as a professor, if you can't come to my office hours and ask questions about their homework, I'm sorry I can't help you. It's that simple. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's very simple, you know. Um, you know, and if you, if you, it's, like, it's like, how do you get married? Well, you walk on the street, you see a beautiful woman, you say, hi, beautiful woman, and then you start a conversation uh, and then eventually this conversation will lead to either, well, it will eventually lead to marriage or not, you know. So the same thing with spiritual teachers, you know, you start the conversation and the conversation has to be of mutual interest. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Randy knows that I don't suffer fools, uh, you know, easily. Uh, you know, so, you know, and that, that's it, you know. And it's that, it's that simple. That, apl- uh, that applies to every teacher. It doesn't apply just to me. It applies to every teacher. Sure, sure. Is there anything you want to say about the direction? I know that your writing and, you know, the things you've been posting um, are in a certain direction about kind of the futility of using the mind to capture the mind or the ego to capture the ego or, yeah. Well, it's, um, you know... 
the, the space I'm in right now is that I realize that uh, it's futile for me to write books. It's futile to me to, you know, to talk about these things. Um, but at the same time, books were helpful to me and they were helpful to other people. At the same time, talking the way we're talking right now, it's helpful to some people. It's helpful in some kind of strange ways. Uh, it awakens something in other people's uh, hearts and minds and in their souls. I don't know how that happens. It happens through some kind of, I don't know, vibration or whatever. Um, but it does happen. So, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why, I mean, going back to that uh, amazing story of the, the original Buddha, you know, when he got his great enlightenment um, in uh, Bodh Gaya, he, uh, you know, he just got up and walked away because it really didn't matter for him whether he's going to teach this or not teach that. It doesn't matter. And then he met a first group of future disciples and these disciples asked him questions and he said to himself, well, I can just ignore them or I can talk to them. Does it matter? No, it doesn't. But I can talk to them because it's better to do something useful than not. And uh, so he talked to them. That's how Buddhism got started. Same thing's true for any spiritual teacher. They don't teach. Uh, you who come to spiritual teachers ask questions and learn. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, if, a, if a teacher teaches, you are certainly not dealing with a person who is at a higher level. Um, at the same time, they may decide to take a vow um, for reasons which we're not going to discuss in this talk, and then they appear as if they're teaching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, um, it, it also gets into uh, the way I work is intention. and uh, So I have the intention uh, to be a blessing in people's lives. I like to be a vehicle of service uh want to uh hopefully and I, I immediately immediately I'm gonna ask you a question. Is it an ego intention, soul intention, or a mixture and where does intention come from? Well, let's say that for that's a good uh, jumping point for another discussion. But I would just say in the way that you are using Abraham uh and discussing Abraham type of intention. Yeah, I can. I mean, I can tell you right away. First of all, I'm not trying to attack you. Uh, mm -hmm. Second of all, we'll have a discussion about this another day. Third, um, there is an, uh, there is intention with a capital I that is flowing through all of us. And from this point of view, modern seers is a collection of people with a certain kind of intentionality uh, that I wish I could say is coming from me. Uh, I think that at this point, I am the loudest person with this intentionality uh, in the in the organization or in the in the group, whatever you want to call it, in the in the assemblage of these souls. Um, but um, there are some people who uh, probably will become stronger and better intended than me. Um, so there is some 
so so there's some kind of flow. It's the same way like when you walk into a church, you can feel that there is a certain character to the vibration, to the to the spirit of that uh, congregation. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, these things are very rare. Um, you know, meeting meeting an amazing spiritual teacher is rare. If you meet someone like this on your spiritual path, I'm not talking about myself, you should uh, definitely spend some time with that person, not contemplating your navel, but actually saying what that person can give you. you know, well, and for me, for I structure my life, so I spend a lot of time with animals, and uh, particularly dogs, I really resonate with them. Every day they're my teachers, and it's uh, I get a lot out of that. And uh, it might... I bet I could get a scriptural quote from you now about those who are greater among you will do greater than I have done, and uh, let's pull it out, and this will be a historic moment. It's very simple. If you have a lot of money, give it to me. If you want to become realized, if you want to get great self-realization, get a cat. Okay, and keeping your sense of humor is important in all this. And the, the, I love the Zen tradition. They're great at uh, laugh at yourself quickly before somebody else does. And uh, we're all laughable, and life is a mystery. And uh, let uh, it all unfold. So I want to thank you, Anatole, so much for, for this great discussion. And uh, let's do it again. And I know you're going to be, you're always a a world citizen, so who knows where the journey will take you. But, uh, well, I can uh, tell you one thing. If I'm going to be in India, this kind of conversation will become 10 times easier because I don't like being up this late. And Uh this would be like nice, nice, nice time in the middle of the day in India or in in Philippines. So... But all the best and thanks so much for coming on and Happy New Year 2015. New energies, new beginnings. It's going to be great. All right. So again, uh, yeah. Um, ModernSeers.org is where you can get more information about Anatole and uh, his book, Modern Seers Vortexes. So um, take care. I'll, uh, uh, feel free. Uh, my website is astrodc.com or uh, randygobert.org and uh, do astrology readings. I use both the Western and the Indian Vedic systems from a Jungian perspective and uh, there's info at uh, randygoldberg.org. Take care and um, I'll be back next week.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.